Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 256. I, every time I say that number, it blows my mind. I hope you're doing well. It is currently 3.59 in the morning, almost 4 a.m. here on the west coast of America. Uh, I live in the kind of the general northwest area part of America. Uh, this episode is all about Formula One. And I understand that not everybody will want to listen to this topic because some people that follow me are like, hey, I'm here for football or American sports. And no worry, I get it. Uh, Formula One is not for everybody. Feel free to skip this episode and uh, listen. go listen to the next one. Next one will be out in a couple days. We'll talk about Cam Newton and some other stuff. Um, but personally, I have completely fallen in love with Formula One. If you're a football fan, I think I can convince you why Formula One makes sense. we got a really cool topic at the end where I compare every F1 team to an NFL team, an NFL franchise. Um, but I love racing. I love going fast in cars. Um, I probably drive a little too fast in real life. It's one of my like guilty pleasures. I've actually begun uh, go-karting because I realized that I need to have some kind of I need to have a way to find my fix to, to go faster on corners and to I, I love the competitiveness of trying to overtake a guy. Even in stupid kart racing, it's so fun to try to overtake somebody and um, you know, driving around corners, trying to beat people, man. It's so much fun. Especially when you're like, I know it, the best feeling for me, and it's so dumb, but when you're kart racing, is when you know you're better at cornering than somebody in front of you. The karts usually are about the same where I, I go racing and uh, it's like, man, I, I got this guy, and you you get him and you it takes like three laps to follow a guy and bam, bam, you know, and slowly but surely your turns are better and you gain ground, you gain ground, then you go for the overtake. And I've I, learning to overtake, even in stupid kart racing, is so much fun. And it makes me have such a great appreciation for people who do that at like 230 miles an hour. It's unbelievable. Um, I'm obsessed. Here's my, my whole opinion. Here's why I love Formula One. You cannot build a better racing machine than a Formula One car. It, it blows my mind. Um, I've seen discussions. Some people like, like on Reddit, I see things like, you know, NASCAR versus Formula One. And I go, it's not even close. There's not a comparison. A Formula One car is so much faster. They can accelerate faster. They've got faster you know, cornering speeds. It's kind of unbelievable that people even feel the need to have that debate NASCAR versus Formula One. There isn't a debate. Formula One cars are such better machines. And, you know, I've gotten wrapped up in this love of Formula One racing. I have to share it. Uh, I want to be very, very clear. I am a fan. You know, I am a. I consider myself an expert on the quarterback position. I know the game of football very, very well. When it comes to baseball and basketball, I'm a lot more of a fan. I share my opinion, and I have fun with it. And I think I can, you know, I, I can't break down LeBron James' jump shot. I can't. Um, but I do think I have a skill for telling stories and building arguments that make sense. I, I try to be rational and reasonable. And sometimes you don't need to be able to break down LeBron James' jump shot to know, here's why blank, whatever storyline is happening. And I am not an expert on Formula One. I will not pretend to be. I'm very new to the sport. You know, I am, I'm a fan and I've come to love it. And it's come to be something that I, I'm upset. My girlfriend makes fun of me because all I do is watch videos about, and I don't watch YouTube. I don't watch media of Formula One. I watch more stuff like 
you know, why, how to hit an apex. They, like things I care about, the technicality, the nerdy nuance. That's my favorite phrase right now, nerdy nuance. The nerdy nuance of Formula One racing is so much fun for me. And I want to share my love. And I, I think that somebody out there, I, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty sure someone's going to want to hear it. A lot of my audience is not in America. I have about, we're at about, about 150,000 subscribers on YouTube, a lot more on iTunes and, uh, you know, Spotify and all the podcast, you know, websites and stuff. And I know that there's a large majority of my audience that is not in America, which is cool. And I think that those people might want to hear me talk about Formula One. And I want to share it because I just have this deep love. And I got to share. I got to get it out of me because it's, it's in my head and I, I am so obsessed with it. Now, here's why I love Formula One racing so much. F1 to me is all about two things. Number one, F1 cars are these incredible beasts of machines that blow my mind and then number two you know there are so many great storylines but i want to start with the cars of course you can technically there is a a car out there that is faster than a formula one car someone's going to go you know they're going to push their glasses up um actually there's that one car in the desert that goes the speed of sound and yes there is a car out there technically it's got a jet engine literally that makes the car go they broke the sound barrier i believe um, but that car can't turn. I mean, that car doesn't have a high performance level. It might go fast in one direction. But Formula One cars are so impressive because of their performance level in so many different aspects. They're the fastest thing on the planet, the way they go. I mean, look, obviously, uh, on wheels, on four wheels, they're the fastest thing in a straight line um, other than that stupid car in the desert. And what really impresses me about a Formula One car, and here's what kind of blew my mind, is that I actually watched the video. It's a really good video on Red Bull made it. It's about a, and I would have thought differently. It's a Formula One car against a MotoGP motorcycle going around the Red Bull ring. And the Formula One car wins and by a considerably large amount. I was like, shocked. And that's because the car is so low to the ground. The cornering speeds are so much better. I mean, it's just impressive to me. Not to mention the acceleration. I just would have thought, like, as a normal person, I would have thought, okay, a motorcycle is faster than an F1 car. Those high-performance motorcycles, no, they're not. And I think most people that just casually know Formula One exists have no idea what goes into driving an F1 car. I mean, the brake force is takes, like, 350 pounds of force. A lot of people would sit down in an F1 car, and they wouldn't be able to push down the brake pedal because it's so stiff and so hard. I mean, you could stomp on that thing with everything you have, and it wouldn't do anything. And then even if you could figure out how to, you know, be strong enough to push down the brakes. And these guys, a lot of people think it's just a guy driving a car. The guy driving the car is an athlete. The G-forces you put on, the brake uh, pressure, the pads you have to take, the decision-making it takes while you're following a car. It's also impressive to me. And it's not at all like a regular car, obviously. But imagine going 230 miles an hour. It's like, that's like 375, roughly, kilometers per hour. I'm going to say miles per hour. I'm in America. And you're, you're going 230. And then you slam on the brakes to go around a corner. And your body, like your stomach just shoots forward. Your, your body doesn't move because you're strapped in. But your stomach just jumps forward, leaps forward in your body. And your, your, the cornering speeds, the G-forces your body takes to go around a corner in an F1 car. You know, my girlfriend, God bless her, gets sick when I go around a corner at 40 miles an hour. Can you imagine doing that at 190 miles an hour? And not only are you turning around a corner at 190 miles an hour, but you're doing it 
Well, there's another car next to you doing the exact same thing, and you guys are inches apart from each other, following each other. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Just the, forget the technical side, the nerdy nuance, all the other stuff. The sheer act of driving a form of the one car already has me sold. It blows my mind. I mean, these things are beasts. I, I just, I, I just, I don't know, man. It's crazy to me. But Formula One also has really, really unique storylines. There's a, because of the way Formula One works, and, and most sports, in American sports, for example, take football. You have a winner and a loser every time. One guy wins, one guy loses, that's it. But F1, in racing in general, has a, a cool thing that I like where there's the battle for first place, Second place, third place, then the best of the rest, fourth place. And throughout a race, there are so many battles for positioning. Sometimes you'll be watching a Formula One race. And believe me, I, I've gotten into Formula One racing like in the last four or five months. And there have been no races. I've been watching replays because I'm just a nerd. I'll sit at home watching a replay of a race from 2006 because I care. It's fun to me. And sometimes when you watch a Formula One race, the battle for 10th place is actually more interesting than the battle for first place. And that's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm here for it. And I genuinely, genuinely love that. I just think that, man, there are so many little nuances that make sense to me. I'm here for it. I love Formula One. The act of driving the cars is crazy. The storylines are great. We'll dive into all that in a minute. Um, but I, would, I do want to also acknowledge Formula One is not perfect. It has problems. It's got issues and flaws. And Formula One, and people are going to give me crap. They're like, you know, take a drink every time he says Formula One. We'll say F1 from now on. But it really reminds me, the sport reminds me of college football in America where things are not fair. There's no salary cap. And in college football, for example, some teams have more money and more resources and they dominate. You know, in college football in America, New Mexico State University is never, ever, ever going to beat Alabama. It's not going to happen because the resources Alabama has are so much greater and the players are so much better and the talent is so much better. Everything is better at Alabama. New Mexico State will never have an opportunity to truly compete with them on the same level, even though they've played each other before. And the same exact stuff happens in Formula One in 2019. Mercedes won the championship, and they spent $484 million, almost half a billion dollars on their team. And then you look at, okay, Haas Racing Team spends $173 million. It's not fair. It's not fair at all, and I'm okay with that. But I believe a lot of Americans that look at F1 from a periphery really struggle with that. I, I, I don't know. I've accepted it. You know, Basically, there are only three teams that have an opportunity and have a shot to win the championship. You have Ferrari, Mercedes is first that they're going to probably win, and then maybe Red Bull. And those three teams spend so much money that other teams simply can't compete. So then it becomes a battle for fourth, and I actually am down for that. Okay, one, two, three, they're going to be locked. Not quite sure what position they're going to come in yet. Probably Mercedes and Red Bull, Ferrari, who knows? Depending on who you are, your biases, I would say Red Bull. Some people say Ferrari. Who cares? But the battle for fourth is actually really interesting to me. It's fun. I'm excited about that. And then there's good news on the horizon is that eventually Formula One is planning to institute a salary cap. $175 million is the plan to have a really a budget cap for your car. 
in 2021. Now, I can't tell if Corona has changed that. I know that the technical specifications change has been pushed back till 2022. I don't know if the budget is going to be moved back, the budget cap, um, but I'm really excited for that. And the goal here is to put things on a more even playing field. The budget cap is going to consider everything except for three things, driver salaries, marketing expenses, and then costs associated with the engine. I'll get to that final point at the end because I don't actually understand. I'll just say it. I don't. What does that mean? If anyone can tell me, I'm a fan of this. I don't get the budget is going to change. What do you mean costs associated with the engine? Is that buying the engine? Is that because that could mean literally anything. It's so ambiguous with the wording there. I don't know what that means. Now, driver salaries, I'm totally fine with. Uh, you would think like, okay, the problem with this is bigger teams with more money can come in, pay a driver a ton of money, and then steal good drivers from bad teams that have less money. And while that is true, yes, I also don't think it's quite right to put a cap on how much money a Formula One driver can make. Because you got to think about it this way. A driver's taking a massive, massive risk. He's the guy going around a corner at 190 miles an hour. And I just don't think they should be limited with how much they can be paid. You know, also part of the appeal of an F1 driver, whether you're a kid who wants to be one someday or you're someone who... I mean, I, I love following Formula One drivers because it's such a different world. They live in Monaco. They're rich. They're good looking. It's very interesting. And I'll, I'll admit it, right? I follow a lot of them on Instagram. It's fun to watch their life. And part of the appeal of a Formula One driver is that they're rich. I'm okay with all that. And it's a good incentive. Again, these guys are athletes. They deserve to be paid. I'm also okay with marketing not being on an even playing field. If Mercedes wants to spend $200 million marketing their car and Alfa Romeo just can't, they only have $4 million, that's fine. Because as long as their competitive nature at the end, if they're competing on the same level, you would think winning would speak for itself anyway. Okay, Mercedes markets a bunch. They make YouTube videos, all this content and crazy stunts, whatever they want to do. Fine with me. As long as there's a more level playing field competitively on race day. That's okay with me. I don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen, um, but it would be cool if that is what happened. I think it is going to be closer. I like that. Again, I'm not sure what, what does that mean. There's that one phrase. The budget cap does not include costs associated with the engine. I, I don't know. I've heard that phrase a lot when I did research. I don't know what that means exactly. I couldn't find it. If anyone does, let me know. It seems kind of weird to me, but I'm not sure. Now, here's the one sad part of putting a budget cap on Formula One. It's not all good. A lot of people, I think, are going to be very happy that there's a budget cap coming to Formula One. Here is the one thing that's going to get lost when that, in fact, happens. I actually want to talk about IndyCar racing. If you look at an IndyCar an IndyCar from face value, if you know nothing about racing. Now, I know that real Formula One fans go, there's a gigantic difference. I get it. But if my dad, who knows nothing about Formula One, looked at a Formula One car and an IndyCar, he would think they're the exact same thing. What he would have no idea about is that an IndyCar costs $16 million and a Formula One car can cost like $250 million. It's a massive difference in how much a car costs. And part of that is they have streamlines and the technical specifications are different, yada, yada. Here's my concern. Will having a salary cap put can kind of nerf this incredible machine that an F1 car is? You know, Mercedes spends 
half a billion dollars building their car. But as a result, they make a beautiful, unbelievable machine. And what happens when they can't spend all that money on their machine? Could it hurt the high level of performance? I don't know. I I legitimately don't know. But it's something I don't want to completely ignore is the the budget cap may help with the competitive nature of Formula One. But what might be lost in that transition is that we might have an effect on performance and the cars might not be quite the same level as they were in the past. I don't know. I am a, I'm an uneducated moron who just loves the sport talking here. And I thought about that a lot. I'm like, will this hurt things? I don't know. Now, there's another thing that is wrong with Formula One. It's the politics. And this is a side of F1 that I try to do my very best to ignore because I can't do anything about it. And it's not cool. And there's a lot of unfairness. Look at the way teams are paid. I mean, there's a lot of stuff grandfathered in where Ferrari gets a bunch of money simply because they're Ferrari and they've been around for a long time, among all kinds of other things. Um, Ayrton Senna was, in my opinion, the best driver of all time. And even if you don't like him or you think Michael Schumacher's better or whoever you want to pick, I'm a big fan of Ayrton Senna. I'm, you know, may he rest in peace. It's very sad what happened. Um, but when I do research on form, you know, former drivers, he's probably my favorite guy simply based on whether, you know, he's, he seems like a great dude, but also the quotes he gave and the way he talked about driving, he, he, he was so outspoken. He said a lot of great stuff. One of the things he said that I liked was he said that in the, in the documentary called Senna, it's, I believe it's on Netflix. It's a great documentary. He's got a line where he says that, you know, he calls kart racing real racing. Because it came before politics and money got involved in racing. You know, you can learn about the politics that he dealt with in the documentary Senna, but he learns about, you know, learn about all the tricks about Ellen Prost and all these problems. So F1 is not perfect. Politics are involved. It's kind of messy. There's not a, there's no equality from a budget standpoint. And what I, the comparison I keep drawing for me is, I love college football in America. Watching Clemson and Ohio State or USC or Alabama, you know, Alabama's probably not going to play very many competitive games this year because their resources are so much greater than other teams they're going to play against. Does that make them not fun to watch? It does not. I I love watching Alabama. A lot of people, I mean, (laughs) these games bring massive crowds. And so just because there's not a ton of equality, doesn't make it a bad product, but you have to draw that comparison. The NFL is on a much more level playing field. Now, even if you make it more level, the Redskins don't have as much money as the Seahawks. You know, they might have the same amount of spending on their players, but their facilities are better in Seattle than in Washington. There are always going to be some kind of inequalities in sports. But I think when you look about, when you talk and think about Formula One, at least from an American perspective, F1 is a lot more similar to college football than other sports, and that's okay. It's not entirely fair, and even if the the guy who's going to win first place is not up for debate anymore, hey, there's still other battles going on down the line, whether it's the battle for best of the rest or 10th place or 9th place. It's always fun, and you can always find a good, interesting matchup as long as you go down the list and are willing to look for a good storyline. Okay, um, I'm drinking some water first, actually. During the coronavirus, that's not even a word, Um, the world's been a mess, and 
during the coronavirus pandemic, a lot of F1 racers did simulated racing. And I just could not get into it. I, <laughs> I'm obsessed with racing, but I like real racing. And basically watching guys play a video game didn't do it for me personally. Kimi Raikkonen came out. He's a driver. He's a former champion. He won in 2007. He came out and said that sim racing is not real racing. And I very, very much agree with Kimi Raikkonen. If you watch, I watched some race where Nico Hulkenberg like bounced off the wall and then glitched through the entire race. It's like the physics are kind of wonky and weird. There's no real danger. Here's the big problem. Here's if I'm going to say this is why sim racing is not real racing. Here's the biggest problem I have. And there are people who like sim racing. I'm glad for them. If you enjoy watching it, hey, that's okay. I don't enjoy it, but you can enjoy it, and I'm happy for you, and that's totally fine. But the problem I have with watching simulated racing is that, and this is brutal, but it's also true, is that there's no real danger. And while I don't really like the thought of a bunch of young guys in danger, it does make for better racing when the racer has to be very, very attentive to detail. You got to be more accurate when you're an inch away from another guy and it's real life. And if you go an inch the other way, you're going to run into that car and flip over. Who knows? You can flip over somebody in a simulated race and it really doesn't have any impact. So when you take away the risk of racing, I know some people like that. It doesn't do it for me. It just the, the, the level of accuracy of racing, I feel like, diminishes just a little bit. Because there's not the same amount of risk. The risk versus reward is not the same in simulated racing. To me, I completely agree with Kimi Raikkonen. Simulated racing is not real racing. Now, going into the 2020 season, it's obviously been a very, very messy year. We missed a bunch of races And there are now eight confirmed races right now moving forward. There are going to be two in Austria about a week apart. And I have one in Hungary. Is it Hungary or Hungary? I've always said Hungary. I'm not, you know, we Americans don't talk a lot about the, I'll be totally honest, right? I don't talk a lot about Hungary. I've never said that word out loud very much. Um, There are going to be two races at Silverstone in the UK, uh, then Spain, then Belgium, then Monza at the beginning of September. And there are no fans as of yet. They might later, like around... Who, maybe Monza, they allow racers, and you know the beginning of September, they allow people to come to race. I, I'm not hopeful for that. Right now, it's just essential personnel. But in these eight upcoming events, these are the storylines I'm excited to watch. I got five of them. So number one, to me, the drama at Ferrari really, really grabs my attention. Uh, Ferrari's very clearly moving to build around Charles Char Leclerc. And, you know, Sebastian Vettel is leaving after this year. Sebastian Vettel is a veteran, long time, um, kind of a like a standard in racing where he's won a bunch. He's been a champion, champion before. He won with Red Bull. And the question is, where's Seb going to go? And I got to say, I love Seb. Um, if you've never seen Sebastian Vettel's appearance on Top Gear, you're missing out watching him interact with Jeremy Clarkson. It's just so much fun. I love it. And the question I have is that now that, it's out there. Seb is leaving at the end of 2020. We don't know where he's going to go. And how is Ferrari going to be impacted? Not after he leaves, but literally now with the drama ensuing of, okay, they still got to work together. They got to get together for eight more races and make it work and make it happen. 
And I, I would believe there's going to be inner team fighting. I mean, remember, if you go watch the Senate document, you see a lot of stuff in racing where there are rivalries between races. We've watched the two Mercedes racers run into each other before. And Seb doesn't need to care what Ferrari thinks of him anymore. He doesn't really have to answer to them because I got eight races and I'm done. And I know I'm a good enough racer that someone's going to pick me up. You would think, I would think someone's going to take him once the year is over. Now, the question is, is he going to be a one or a two? I don't know. And will him being a one mean going to a worse team than him being a two? Also, don't know. But somebody's going to hire Sebastian Vettel after this year. So how is the mess going to unfold with Ferrari this year, knowing that they're really moving towards Charles Leclerc? They have Sebastian Vettel on a ticking time bomb who's going to leave any time. You know, at the end of the year, and they still got to work with them a little bit. I am not impressed with the structure of the team in general. It feels like Ferrari, everyone talks about the past. And it feels like Ferrari relies a little too much on the name, a little too much on the history they have. Now, they have great, rich, tremendous history that got a lot of pride in Italy. Um, but I, I'm i not that impressed with Ferrari, to be totally honest. I know that's <laughs> a lot of people are going to say, you're a stupid American. What do you know? Fine. But the way they've moved from Seb to Charles Leclerc and the way it's working out, it feels disorganized and kind of messy to me. And I'm excited to watch it unfold this year in Formula One. Now, number two to me, um, I'm actually going to surprise a lot of people. To me, what excites me is actually the battle for fourth. You know, the best of the rest. To me, it's likely going to come down to Renault or McLaren. I love both teams' lineups. I love Renault has Daniel Ricciardo. They have Esteban Ocon. Uh, Esteban Ocon's an underrated driver, in my opinion. He works hard. He got really screwed over by Racing Point. And then McLaren also has two solid drivers with Carlos Sainz and Lando Norris. And so both, in my opinion, Renault and McLaren you know, stand to benefit the most from having a budget cap, where there are very clearly Tier 2 teams behind the top three Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. And they're going to benefit a lot from the budget cap because it might allow them to compete at a higher level and have a better chance to compete with teams like Mercedes, Ferrari, and Red Bull. So I'm excited to watch what happens with the best of the rest. Who gets fourth place this year? It appears like the top three is going to be locked, Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes. And then I'd be surprised if really the you know four and five weren't Renault and or McLaren. I don't know which order yet. That's the fun part to me to find out who becomes the fourth-place team in Formula One. Now, number three, I am so, so excited to watch Max Verstappen. He's a just a pure talent. Uh, you know, the question for me is, can Max Verstappen and Red Bull challenge Mercedes? I love Red Bull. I'm a fan of them. I, not the drink, just the company, the way, you know, their stunts are fun. Their videos are great. I love Christian Horner, uh, the team principal, with Red Bull, and I just love watching Max race. I can't stop thinking about, oh my gosh, was it 2016 in Brazil? Was that the year where the race for Max Verstappen just, you know, on in the rain, the battle in the rain just came and made up a bunch of places? I have that ingrained in my mind, and I, I just can't wait to watch it. I, I think Max Verstappen is a, in football, we'd compare him to Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, a guy who's got just rare, rare talent. And I'm curious how far he can take it this year. Um, for me, you know, I think of another guy to compare him to is Giannis 
uh, Giannis in the NBA playing for the Milwaukee Bucks where, you know, I'm making a bunch of American sports references where Giannis was so good, so talented in the NBA. But the question was, can he elevate his team to a championship? It's still a fun question to ask in the NBA. And it feels like Max Verstappen is in a very similar place where he's not expected to win the championship. But is he good enough and is he good enough to elevate his team enough to compete with a team like Mercedes? I don't know. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure Mercedes is going to walk away the champion and just it's rinse and repeat the same way last year. But can Verstappen challenge them enough to either get second place or, I mean, how much can he challenge Mercedes, I guess, is my question. And that's what I can't wait to watch this year in Formula One. And number four, I want to watch Mercedes. Uh, There's a lot here. You know, the rule changes are coming. The question is, is this going to be one of the last couple of years where, you know, will this be one of the final years where Mercedes dominates or at least dominates by so much the way they have recently? And another question is, is Lewis Hamilton going to walk away soon? He's very politically active. He's 35 years old. He's won a ton. He's very wealthy. And could he leave while he's on top? Could he say, I've got other things I care about more? I don't know. Whether it's this year, next year, a couple years from now. Some people have raced till they're in their 50s. But I don't know. Is Lewis Hamilton thinking about retirement anytime soon? And then, you know, I believe Mercedes is going to win again. But the other question I have is, can anyone challenge them? Honestly. Can Red Bull, can Max Verstappen challenge Mercedes? Number five, my final storyline. I know there's a lot going on in F1. I, to me, the other storyline to me that I want to follow, you know, it's, it's really a shame he's in a Williams car. I like George Russell a lot. George Russell is a, a young racer. He's really good. I don't know that he's good at social media, but the people working with him are good at social media where he gets featured in a lot of really good, really interesting stuff. And um, I just, he's a talented driver. He's young. He's interesting. And again, it's sad that he's racing for Rocket Williams, but I am curious how well can he do in spite of his car? What can George what can George Russell do in spite of the car he's driving? That's the fifth thing I want to watch. I know there's other stuff. I'm actually curious. What storylines did I leave out? I guess another one is interesting. That's that's interesting. Although I mentioned it already, is Renault with uh, you know the bat. Yeah, I said the best of the rest. Um, what storylines did I leave out? Daniel Ricardo. Esteban Ocon, what, what did I leave out that you want to hear me talk about that, or that even if you don't want to hear me talk about it, what do you care about? Because I'm new to this. I'm a fan. I'm a not an expert of Formula One. I like it. I'm very into it, um, but I'm learning. And if you have stuff you want to talk about, please reach out to me on social media. I want to hear what you think. I want to hear what you're excited to watch this year in Formula One. And I so badly, I, I want to have a dialogue because I, I just am, I'm the only guy I know that cares about this at all. You know, I, I'm in America, and my friends love football. They love racing. You know, they love other stuff. No one, no one I know likes Formula One. No one I know likes racing. And so, um, I just would love to uh, talk to anybody out there who wants to talk about this because I, I just am so passionate about it. Now, I'm gonna drink water first. But my last topic of the day, I want to have fun with this. Where. The idea here is if every F1 team was an NFL franchise, who do they compare to best? It's obviously not going to be perfect. 
Um, but it's still fun to compare in my opinion. One of the things that I find really interesting about, you know, Formula One versus the NFL is that F1, basically you have two quarterbacks. You got two drivers and that equates to basically two quarterbacks, two guys with big egos who want praise and not even necessarily egos, but kind of it all rides on them and the rate and the car. The same way quarterbacks get all the blame in the NFL or all the praise in the NFL, it all rides on the quarterback and the team around him. The team around the quarterback is the car to the driver. And I also know that this is a tough topic to understand. It's got a high barrier to entry. Think about it this way. You got to be familiar with the NFL and know the storylines there. You also have to be familiar with Formula One and the storylines in a European sport, really a European and I mean, basically everyone in, everyone in the world except for America that I know cares about Formula One. So it's much bigger. Like Soccer and F1 are, seem like they're much bigger than football, but in America we only seem to care about football. So I understand there's a low crossover rate here. Uh, but number one, I, say, I want to say that Mercedes is the New England Patriots before they lost Tom Brady. You know, think about it this way. They have a ton of championships. They have arguably the best ever, whether it's Tom Brady at quarterback or Lewis Hamilton driving. It's even funny to me, people hate on the Patriots for cheating. Meanwhile, people also hate on Mercedes for, you know, they give all the credit to their spending, the budget. The fact that they win a lot because they spend a lot of money. People don't like them. People don't like the Patriots. People don't like Mercedes. I find it interesting. The parallels go on and on and on where you can compare Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes to Tom Brady with the Patriots. Now, number two, um, Ferrari's the Dallas Cowboys. And this is one of my favorite ones. This is actually, this comparison is what gave me the idea to do this topic where, think about it this way. Ferrari's got a massive fan base. They literally have all of Italy behind them. And the Cowboys are, quote, America's team. You got a bunch of legends in the past. In Ferrari, you have Nicky Lauda. There's that great movie about Nicky Lauda versus James Hunt. You have Michael Schumacher, Fernando Alonso, Sebastian Vettel. Then you go, okay, the Cowboys have Troy Aikman, Roger Staubach, Tony Romo, Michael Irving. Michael Irvin? I think it's Irving. I don't know. And then my favorite part of the comparison between the Cowboys and Ferrari is one that's going to make people angry, and I don't care, is that both of them used to win years ago. Ferrari hasn't won in over a decade, and the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl since 1996. But they have a passionate fan base, they have legends from the past, and they have wins in the past. Both Ferrari and Dallas are very focused on their legacy. And people talk about the glory days and years ago. But the reality is that neither Ferrari or the Cowboys have won in a while. Number three, I would compare Red Bull to the Kansas City Chiefs, where you have, you know, both of them are red, kind of a silly coincidence. Didn't even think about that originally. Uh, we also have these massive, talented stars, generational talent. The Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes at quarterback and driving for Red Bull. you got Max Verstappen. They've got veteran leadership, whether Red Bull has team principal Christian Horner or the Chiefs have Andy Reid as head coach. But I go back to Patrick Mahomes and Max Verstappen are equals in their sport. They're both crazy, crazy talented. And, you know, Max Verstappen, even though he might not win the championship, because, again, Mercedes has got a beast of a team and a gigantic budget. And, you know, Lewis Hamilton's great. I love Lewis Hamilton. 
But even if Lewis Hamilton's a better driver all around than Max Verstappen, Max Verstappen's a better talent, in my opinion. The talent is so raw and so unbelievable for Max. Um, and I, I see him as a Patrick Mahomes of Formula One. Number four, I would compare Haas to the Miami Dolphins. Think about this. Haas has a really low budget. The Dolphins have a bad roster. But they both overachieve. They both make it work. They both found a way to succeed anyway. The Dolphins last year were well coached in the NFL. And Haas succeeds with ingenuity. I find that comparison really compelling to me. Now, I would compare Reynolds to the Houston Texans, where you have a star on a bad team. You know, both you have the driver, Daniel Ricciardo, for Reynolds, and you have the quarterback, Deshaun Watson, for Houston. Both of them are limited by the people around them on their team. Now, number six, this is where we got to get creative. Actually, no, hold on. We have Rocket Williams racing. I can't believe I forgot it. This is a fun one because I would compare Williams to the Cleveland Browns. Both have history, and recently, both have been historically bad. You, you talk about Baker Mayfield getting drafted to the Browns, you go, oh, he's talented, he's young. Shame he's in Cleveland. Shame he's got to do it for the Browns. I say the same thing, I just did it. I said the same thing about George Russell. Man, he's got talent, he's a young kid. Mm. shame he's got to drive for Williams. Now we got to get creative. We have Racing Point, number seven, McLaren, number eight, Alpha Tatari Tar. How do you say their name? I, I looked it up. I was on YouTube trying to find people saying Alpha Tari. And even the guy who said it kind of just mumbled. I found like three videos, and everyone who said Alpha Tari? Question mark? They all just mumbled the name Tari. They're like, Alpha. Alpha. It's like. Tari? Question mark? I don't know. We got to find a comparison for Racing Point, McLaren, Alpha Tari, and Alpha Romeo. So Racing Point to me is the LA Chargers in the NFL. I just don't care. The two Chargers quarterbacks are a young gun, Justin Herbert, and an older average veteran, veteran Tyrod Taylor. Oh, look at the Racing Point drivers. You have a young gun, Lance Stroll, and an older average veteran, Sergio Perez. Just a lot of, eh, I don't care. I just, I wish I did. I feel bad I don't, but I don't care. Now, number eight, Alfa Romeo. This is really fun because I look back to a couple years ago when Hall of Fame legendary quarterback, a guy who'd won a Super Bowl, Brett Favre, went and played a year with the New York Jets. Legendary talented, a guy who'd won a championship before on a bad team, with no shot. Well, hey, Kimi Raikkonen right now races for Alfa Romeo. He once won a long time ago. And now he's on a bad team with no shot. Kimi Raikkonen with Alfa Romeo reminds me a lot of Brett Favre with the New York Jets. Now, number nine, Alphatari reminds me of the Cincinnati Bengals. I already talked about how their name seems to have no pronunciation that anyone can agree on, at least in the English language. Um, but look at, this, look at it this way. They have a young... I don't know that talented is the right word to describe Pierre Gasly, but young, interesting, and somewhat promising young driver, Pierre Gasly. And you could say the exact same thing about the Cincinnati Bengals with their quarterback, Joe Burrow. Now, both of them, in my opinion, Pierre Gasly seems to have a lot of 
potential for success and also a lower ceiling. Same with, you know, I look at the arm strength of Joe Burrow, a guy who's not supremely physically talented, but hey, there is some potential there. I want to see how it develops. I feel the exact same way about Pierre Gasly. And also, you know, they might have a lower ceiling talent-wise. The Bengals and AlphaTauri are not going to win a championship this year. But hey, they have promising young guns that I want to watch. Number 10, we have McLaren. Now, to me, I had to think, this is the one I had to think about the most. And what came to really my heart and my mind was that McLaren feels a lot like the Atlanta Falcons where, you know, there's some talent there. You know there's talent there. The Falcons have Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. You know they have Todd Gurley. There's some talent in Atlanta. And you look at McLaren, based out of the U.K., Carlos Sainz, Lando Norris, you know there's some talent there with McLaren. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, both McLaren and Atlanta are not going to be battling to win the whole thing. They got to find a way to be interesting otherwise. What other storylines? How can they make us care about their team in spite of the fact that they're not competing to win? Whether it's trying to be the best of the rest or social media or new uniforms, whatever it is. McLaren and the Atlanta Falcons are not competing for a championship, but they have a lot of interesting talent. It's clear there's talent there. And they're trying to find a way to be interesting, even though they're not going to win a championship this year. All right, guys, that's all I have. Um, I want to end the show the same way I always do. I want to say first, though, thank you for listening. Um, this is kind of a a moment where it's a passion project. I'm talking about something that I'm I'm very aware probably nobody cares about. And so if you listened to my opinion on Formula One, whether you love Formula One or you're just like, hey, I like Zach. And I don't mind hearing Zach talk for 40 minutes. I appreciate it. I hope you're doing well. I, I'm really grateful. I hope you enjoyed my thoughts. Uh, again, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm a fan. And I love Formula One. I love racing. I love, um, I'm just, this is a passion project for me. I, I love go-kart racing. I've become obsessed with it. And my girlfriend often gets annoyed with me because I drive the car <laughs> a little too fast, a little bit all the time. And so uh, thanks for listening. I want to end the show the way I always do, which is to say that Four years ago, my younger brother died. He uh, took his own life. And in that moment, I learned two really painful lessons. Number one is that if you're struggling, please go get help. Uh, My brother never told anybody he was having a hard time. And I came home one day, he was dead on the floor. And so I encourage you, go talk to somebody, whether it's a teacher or a coach or a friend or a parent. Go get help. Do not suffer in silence. And if you really have nobody you can talk to, if there's no one you can turn to, then as a last resort, you can call the suicide hotline 1-800-273-8255, 1-800-273-8255. If you're struggling, please go get help. Now, the other thing I want to say is, man, make sure the people in your life know how much you love them. Your girlfriend, your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. Make it clear to them you care about them, that you love them, and that if they're struggling, they can come talk to you. Guys, my name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so very much for tuning in. We got a next a regular scheduled episode about sports and football and yada yada coming up. We'll talk about Cam Newton, a lot of fun stuff. But for me, uh, thank you for indulging me and allowing me to, I guess it's my show. I can do whatever I want. But for those that listen, thank you for listening to me talk about Formula One. 
something I've become very, very passionate about in the last couple months. But I'm bum. Bam, we are 